For that to go up. All right. All right, are you ready? The screens are up. Perfect. Do you remember when you were uh, a late teenager and adults would start asking you that dreaded question, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I remember um, later in high school, I was starting to get that question a lot from adults. They were asking me, so what are your plans? Where do you want to go to college? What type of career do you want? I remember going to my guidance counselor and we had to take an assessment test on like what, you know, what kind of careers might uh, we be interested in and I took the test really quick and it came out that my occupation was very specific. I was to become a tree surgeon <laughs> and I, I think my parents were hoping I was going to become a people surgeon but I was thinking that's a really big operating table when you put a tree on there, you know, anyway, but it was, um, I never did live into that uh, um, into that career assessment of becoming a tree surgeon. I'm not even really sure what that was or how I got assessed for that, except for I think everything I put, I wanted to be outside, I liked to camp, you know, things like that. Uh, so that was kind of where I was at that stage of life. And like many of you, my uh, career path has taken a lot of uh, twists and turns, especially when I was in college and I had all those kind of temporal kind of jobs. I remember working for Honey... Uh, honey ham, you know, I had to glaze the hams. I wore like this soldering mask and I had this big flame and I was burning my wrist and it was awful. But, um, and then, you know, there was other jobs, moving furniture, landscape, and all those things you do to kind of get yourself through the summers in college. And then I remember I had this uh, great experience later in high school when my faith became real to me. And so in college, I started volunteering in youth ministry I did a training program with Young Life after college and beginning to hone down my career that I wanted to do ministry. And even with that, I went to several different places. I uh, had a few bumps and turns along the way, went to seminary, came back, and wasn't sure I wanted to go into full-time ministry. I started working uh, for a company in Northern Virginia as a data analyst, which was really a cut-and-paste kind of job. I would cut stuff and paste it and stick it in a document. And then I sold windows, and then I ended up at Church of the Cross in Bluffton, and uh, from there, St. Luke's, I uh, sold some storm shutters along the way. If you live in Wexford, I might have drilled holes in your building. It's possible, <laughs> your house. But, uh, you know, most of us, when it comes to what we're going to do with our lives, we realize that oftentimes that's not so stationary. It moves. It's very fluid. There's, we have lots of different chapters in our lives. So when someone asks you uh, that question, what do you do, it really depends where you are. For a lot of you that are maybe are retired, you go back to your career. Now it may be, well, I'm a grandparent, or I play golf, or I travel, or, you know, I'm just enjoying just spending time, uh, you know, with family uh, now that I'm not working. For those who are working, we always tend to say, well, you know, I'm a doctor, or I'm a chef, or I work here or there. We define ourselves by our occupation. But how many times has someone uh, asked you that question what is the purpose of your life? Because that's a much more difficult question when it comes to what is the purpose of your life. You see, for, when we're asked that, sometimes we'll, we'll say, well, to be a good person, to be a good Christian. Maybe to make a lot of money so you can support your family. But I believe, uh, really, uh, this is a great question because it has a great answer. See, I believe that God has a common purpose a common why for all of us about the purpose of our existence. You see, everyone here has this common purpose to know God the Father. 
to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. When we live into this purpose, it not only gives us meaning in our lives, but it gives us direction and hope, regardless of the season in our lives or what our career is at that time or what challenges we're going through. We can have a purpose by knowing Christ. So this morning, we're going to look a a little bit closer at this character, John the Baptist. And the reason we're looking at him again is I believe that the call he had on his lives, his fulfillment of the call, and the fact that he didn't waver on what he was supposed to do, translates to you and I today. So we're going to look at what his call was and why it matters to us here in 2020. So like John's birth, uh, unlike most of ours, it was pretty miraculous, His mom, uh, Elizabeth, was much older, didn't think she would be able to bear children anymore. His dad was old, Zechariah. And uh, anyway, one day Zechariah was, I don't know what he was doing, but he ends up being visited by an angel. And the angel tells him that his wife is going to have a baby. And uh, he's shocked. And here's what the angel says. This is what the baby's going to do. He's going to have a son. He's going to name him John. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to their Lord God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son who would prepare and make people ready for the Lord. And this angel told him. So it's incredible, right? So now Elizabeth is six months pregnant. And Mary, we all know the story from Christmas, She's pregnant with Jesus, or um, an angel tells her that she's going to become pregnant with Jesus. So she goes and visits uh, Zechariah's home and is greeted by Elizabeth. And all of a sudden, baby John the Baptist, who's just known as, you know, baby John at this point, all of a sudden leaps into her womb, so much so that she was like, oh my gosh, she's filled with the Spirit. And she says this blessing over Mary. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises. So even baby John the Baptist, before he's even born, is kicking. He's ready to talk about Jesus, to talk about the Lord. He knows his mission before he's even born. So then he is born, and Zechariah sings a song. I don't know if he sang it or said it, but he says these words to remind everybody there who this child is, about what the angels had told him, about how this child was going to fulfill prophecy. Here's what Zechariah says. He said, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins goes on to say, to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So this baby is something special. Angels have visited. He's leaping in the womb because Jesus is coming. And then his father reminds everybody there about what the angels had told him. This child was going to prepare the way for the Lord. So this child grows up, it says in Scripture, strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This child grew up with parents who understood that this child had a special call in his life. And for a Jewish child back then, faith formation was huge. It was very important for them all. A matter of fact, they would have to memorize this prayer called the Shema, and it went like this. 
So every day, the little children would say this prayer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Take to heart these instructions with which I charge you this day. Impress them upon your children. Recite them when you stay at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on your doorsteps of your house and on your gates. So every day, these children would say that. So John was reminded that he belonged to God. He was reminded by his parents that he had a special call in his life. And he was reminded by the teachers, as they would say to all the Jewish children, that God's word is sweeter than honey. This is something that goes inside of you and changes the trajectory of how you live each day, to love God with all your heart. So Elizabeth and Zechariah, can you imagine, they're continually reminding this child of who he's going to become, telling him the stories about the angels, teaching him these prayers, teaching him God's word. And you know what happened? John the Baptist lived into this mission. He became what was prophesied about him. It says, he went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he didn't mince his words. He would confront people about the sin that was distorting their lives, that was helping them not to, was, was causing them not to see God in each, each other. He was very bold, probably made some people mad, but people were flocking to him to be baptized. But with all those people around him and him becoming more and more popular, that wasn't his mission to build this big John the Baptist mission because he knew that he was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. One day it says the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites, those were all the religious leaders, to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you a prophet? No. Finally, he said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. See, not only did he memorize it, he knew it and he lived into it. And then the main event happens. Jesus comes to be baptized by him. That's what we talked about last week. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke from heaven that this was his son. The Holy Spirit descended on uh, Jesus, God's son. It was a crazy, amazing moment. It inaugurated Jesus' ministry. When John saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John recognized who Jesus was. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. It was the big reveal, if you've watched any of those home improvement shows. They pulled the curtain, it's Jesus. John, it was not about him. He takes himself off the stage and enters everybody to the main character, the main event. It says that the next day, and this is very interesting, so this all happens. They see Jesus again, and John says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So John was giving his people over to Jesus. He wasn't saying, you know what, I'm becoming less popular. This doesn't feel good. I want more people. I don't know if I like this call I have. No, he was faithful to his call. He didn't falter. His job was to bring people to Christ, 
to take himself off the stage to introduce people to the Lamb of God. It says uh, a little while later, some of John's disciples, because he still went on baptizing people and telling them that they needed to go meet Jesus. Some people said to him, uh, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptized and everyone is going to him. So what are you going to do about it? Should we go steal him back? You know, it was that kind of conversation. And John says this, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. And he goes on and says, that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist knew his role. His parents taught him that. His teachers taught him that. He not only loved God, he knew he had a specific calling in his life. This strange figure who had a big long beard, who ate locusts, who had honey all over him. I'm not sure what exactly that looked like, you know, clothes that he made out of camel hair. But people came to him because he had this powerful uh, message telling people they need to repent, turn from their ways, and meet the Messiah. He must become greater, John the Baptist said. I must become less. After he did this, it wasn't like everybody applauded and John the Baptist had a great life after that. He was put in prison wrongly. He even started to doubt Jesus because it wasn't going as planned. He was thinking that it was going to be more movement. Everybody was going to repent and it was going to become this... uh, amazing thing that would bring Israel back to be a nation. So he sent one of his disciples to make sure that Jesus really was who he said he was, and Jesus told the testimony of what was going on so John could be assured. He had doubts just like you and I. He wasn't some super uh, man kind of figure, superhuman. He was a regular person who responded to the, go- to the call that God had in his life. He stayed faithful to his calling. So that's great, Steve. You just told us a story about John the Baptist, uh, What does it have to do with us in 2020? See, John the Baptist's story is your story. God has a call in your life. Now, it wasn't with, I don't know everybody's birth story here, but I don't think many people had parents that were visited by angels. I mean, you can raise your hand if you did and tell us your story later. But David, when he wrote the Psalms, tells about the amazing fact that you and I exist, that we're alive He tells us that we're not accidents. In Psalm 139, he writes this uh, prose, For you created my inmost being, talking about God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, David understood that about himself, but that is for everyone here, that God made you and he designed you. You're called to know God. And more specifically, You're called to know Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you know God. This uh, teacher named Nicodemus came to visit Jesus and Jesus' ministry, kind of the beginning of it. And he asked Jesus, Jesus told him, well, he's like, what must I do to get to God? He said, you must be born again. And that was confusing, right? He's like, well, how do I be born a second time? Wasn't quite, uh, wasn't quite, all, all the dots weren't connecting, right? And Jesus told him that famous verse, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, later, it all made sense. Nicodemus was filled with the Holy Spirit and became a believer. The Apostle Paul, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's like a rebirth. The old is gone, the new has come. This same guy, uh, when he was in prison, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the sharing of his suffering, 
by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, you too have that call in your life to believe in Christ, to become a new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit, that whatever you've done before, your old life can be made new again by what Christ did on the cross for you. But you're not called just to believe up here and just say, oh yeah, I believe, kind of a cerebral thing. You're called to put this belief into practice. See, the first disciples that John the, baptism, John the Baptist released to Jesus were Andrew and John. And they set a template of what it looks like to respond to God's call. They followed Jesus. Then he told them, come and see. And then they stayed and remained at his house to learn more. And then what happened after that is that Andrew decided, you know what, I'm going to go tell my brother Simon Peter about this. They want to tell other people about this guy Jesus. See, all of us are called to that same kind of discipleship, to follow Christ, to come and see, to check it out for ourselves, and then to tell other people about it. That's how the early church started going viral. They started telling people and telling people they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it started exploding because of that. But you see, the other thing for us in the call that we have in our life is we are not the main event. Thank God, it takes a lot of pressure off ourselves, right? We're not the way. See, John the Baptist understood that. Andrew understood that. He kept introducing people to Christ. When, Jesus, when they were trying to feed the 5,000, it was Andrew who found that little boy with the food and introduced him to Jesus. He loved to introduce people to Jesus. See, we're called as well to introduce people to Christ. We are not the way. It's not all about us. It's about us being connected to God. It takes so much pressure on us just trying to be good people and do enough that God might like us. When we understand that, when we understand it's about our ministry, it's not our ministry, it's God's ministry that we're all a part of here. It takes the pressure off. And then in those words in the epistle, we learn that God is faithful even when we're faithless. It said, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you the strength to this call you have in your life to know Christ, to love Christ with all your heart, to follow him, and to not quit. He gives you this body of believers to help you to go the distance, even as you go through struggles. You see, you were born for this. You have a purpose in your life to believe, to put this belief into action, to build that faith in Christ by coming and seeing and following Christ in every area of your life and by remaining and not quitting. See, collectively, as a church, we have the same call as well. The early church, as it birthed and it was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in their temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. They didn't have like some big marketing campaign or, you know, they didn't have an airplane flying over with this big sign, come to our church. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They loved each other. They cared for one another. They did church together. They remembered the Lord's Supper, and God added to their numbers daily. Eugene Peterson writes, Church is the core element in the strategy of the Holy Spirit for, for providing human witness and physical presence to the Jesus-inaugurated kingdom of God in this world. It is not the kingdom complete, but it is a witness to that kingdom. We are the kingdom come here as a body of believers. We have this call, this church that was birthed 2,000 years ago, to bring about God's, God's kingdom by sharing our faith with others, by introducing others to Christ and the difference he's made in our life. We are image bearers of Christ, all of us, even in our brokenness. A matter of fact, especially in our brokenness, because we're all broken. We're not hypocrites just because we do things wrong. We are a witness and a testimony that God uses broken people to do beautiful things, to share his gospel, his message of hope to this world. See, we too are called to introduce people to Christ. It's not just for the professional or the people wearing these white robes up here. It's for every single one of you. This pastor, um, in an article in Christianity Today, Derwin Gray wrote in his blog, the church today is to be a movie trailer, enticing and drawing people to take part in this future reality. Think about those times you go to the movies. I know most of you probably just watch Netflix nowadays, but every now and then you go to the movies, right, a couple times a year. And when you see, if you make it on time, you get to see all of those trailers. And you see several, and you're like, I'm never going to see that movie. That looks awful, right? But then you see that one, and you're like, I'm definitely seeing that. I want to know more. That's what we're called to as a body of believers. That as people see our lives, our brokenness, all our struggles, but the hope we have in Christ that they're going to want to see more for the hope that we had, have. They're going to want to come and see. And also as a church, and this again takes the pressure off, just like John the Baptist, we're drawing people to Christ, not ourselves. It's not Greg's ministry or Kathy's ministry or Steve's ministry or any of you others here that have different Bible studies or ministries you lead. It is Christ's ministry. We're called for people so they can come and see and follow Christ and be faithful to that call. See, the church as a whole helps us all to stay faithful. As a body of Christ, we look after each other. If one of us is hurting, we're all helping that person. We're all living out this faith and helping people to stay strong, even as we're going through tough times. You know, this week, if you're from Hilton Head, you know that we, there was a tragedy. There was a 16-year-old boy that was associated with this church. The family was and committed suicide this week. And it was an awful, awful week for that family and everyone. Uh, you know, Greg was uh, there in the very first day, as was I, and Greg did the funeral yesterday. But, you know, the hope that Greg was offer, able to offer to that family was very difficult with what's going on with them. But he shared the gospel with them. And the hope that we have that death does not have the final word for any of us who believe, that he is faithful even when we're faithless. We have a message to share and even the biggest tragedies we can imagine. As a church, we're called to help each other to grow in our love of Christ and our knowledge of Christ.
so that as we go through tough times or we question our faith, we're going to understand Scripture. When we go to college, for those who are younger and the first sociology professor tells you that God is a fairy tale, we're called that we have knowledge to back up our belief. There's a pastor, a priest, uh, an Oxford guy, Alistair McGrath, who writes uh, many books on apologetics defending the faith, and he's no dummy, as you can imagine. He debates, not in like, I'm going to beat you up, but he, with a lot of uh, prominent atheists, and challenges them, and he's well-respected by both believers and non-believers. You see, we as a believer not only be strong in heart, but to be strong in our heads and our knowledge of why we have this hope and be able to share it with a world that has many doubts and many struggles. We have a purpose as a church. We have a calling. So I want to conclude and talk to you all. I know we talked about this kind of general calling to know Christ and to, to grow in that faith and to share it with others and to be faithful and to not, as a community of believers so that we won't fall away. But I also want to let you know, whatever your career is, whatever stage of life is, that is your ministry. Whether it's a parent, or you're an attorney, or a chef, or whatever it is that you do right now, if you're in the working world, you're called to be an attorney for Christ, a chef for Christ, a teacher, a parent for Christ. If you're a retiree, a retiree for Christ. Whatever stage you are in, teenager, a teenager for Christ, whatever stage you're in, we have this common purpose to give hope to this world that needs it. Remember that prayer that those uh, Jewish little children would, would say and still say to this day, that we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? And Jesus added that to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the call, that is the purpose of the church. John the Baptist inaugurated Jesus' ministry introduced people to Christ, and it spread through the power of the Holy Spirit. You too can know that hope this morning, if you don't know, by just simply admitting that you can't do life on your own, submitting yourself to God, saying, God, I need you, and committing your ways to him. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit and help you to live your life for him. For those who already know that, that's why we come here, to be refueled and to be reminded of who we are, who we belong to, and our calling in our lives to share the gospel with everyone we meet. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for sending John the Baptist that he could introduce the main player on the stage, your son, Jesus Christ, who we have the hope of salvation, who died for us on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can not only be forgiven, but have the hope of the resurrection. Lord, help us knowing that knowledge as we go out in whatever we do in our day-to-day lives to share our faith through our words, through our actions. Give us a heart for people that you love, which is everybody, Lord. Lord, help us to be faithful witnesses, to not falter through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.